You're listening, listening to, to, Bible. to Bible Plus. Bible Plus from Seesaw. Bible Plus is a podcast featuring short, daily discussions of every chapter in the New Testament. Bible Plus is designed to increase Bible reading, understanding, and enjoyment. Get more out of the Bible. Today we're looking at Matthew chapter 1, and we've got Paul Bixby with us in the studio to break it down for us. Let's listen in. Hello, everybody, and welcome to our podcast, kicking off today with our annual Bible reading schedule. We'll start today with Matthew chapter 1, and by the end of this year, or by this time next year, we will have completed the entire New Testament. So uh, today, we're in chapter 1 of Matthew. Matthew is one of the four Gospels, and these Gospels are uh, biographies of Jesus Christ. The very first verse says, The Book of the Generation of Jesus Christ. Jesus is the first name mentioned in the New Testament. It's also the very last name mentioned in the New Testament at the end of Revelation, showing that Jesus is the subject and content of the New Testament. And this person is so wonderful that he needs four biographies. Matthew presents Christ as the king, descended from King David, the rightful heir to the throne. And as the king, he must have a lineage that proves that he's the rightful heir. And that's what Matthew does in the first 17 verses. He lays out the genealogy of Jesus Christ, descended from King David. The first verse says that he's the son of David, the son of Abraham. Well, David's son, Solomon, was a type of Christ in that he built the temple, which was the house of God, and he spoke words of wisdom. He wrote the Proverbs, a lot of the Proverbs, and he wrote Ecclesiastes, and he was the wisest man on the earth at the time, but he was a type of Christ in these two aspects. And then the son of Abraham, Isaac, is also a type of Christ in at least two aspects. One is that um, he went through death and resurrection. Well, of course, Isaac wasn't actually killed, but God asked Abraham to offer his son on the altar as a sacrifice to God. And then at the last moment, God intervened and told him not to and replaced him with a ram that was caught in the thicket. But at any rate, in Hebrews 11, it tells us that in figure, Isaac was put to death and received back in resurrection. So in this sense, Isaac is a type of Christ who actually was put to death and resurrected on the third day as our Savior. And secondly, Isaac took a wife for himself from the Gentiles, and that was Rebekah. Now Christ is preparing a bride a wife for himself. And he's building the church today as his counterpart, primarily with the Gentiles. So in these two aspects, at least, we see that Christ is the reality and the fulfillment of the son of David and the son of Abraham. Now this genealogy continues, and I counted 
more than 40 names in this genealogy. We don't have the time in this short podcast to dive into every one. I know people who skip over the first 17 verses because they consider it a boring genealogy, the names are hard to pronounce, and so forth. But I want to impress you that every name in this genealogy is important, and you have to uh, know the whole Old Testament in order to appreciate the riches in this genealogy. I just want to uh, focus on the five women in this genealogy. Um, Well, because it's unusual. You know, the Jewish genealogies did not include women. But here, in the genealogy of Jesus Christ, five women are mentioned. One, of course, was Mary, the mother of Jesus, and she was a chaste virgin, uh, an upstanding woman in the Bible. But the other four were uh, had questionable backgrounds. They were immoral. They were sinful. Uh, Tamar, mentioned in verse 3, committed incest with her father-in-law, Judah. And then you have uh, Rahab in verse 5. She was a harlot in Jericho, and not a Jew, but a Gentile. And then Ruth is mentioned in verse 5. Ruth was a Moabite. Moab was uh, the result of incest between Lot and his daughter. And so the Moabites have incest as their source. Ruth was a Moabite. And the Moabites were cursed by God until the 10th generation. They could have nothing to do with the people of God. But here's Ruth. She found her way into the genealogy of Christ. And one one other woman is in verse 6. It says, And Jesse begot David, the king, and David begot Solomon of her who had been the wife of Uriah. It doesn't even mention her name. That, But we know that it was Bathsheba. And she was the wife of Uriah, and David uh, committed adultery with her. She was an adulteress. If you were going to write the genealogy of Jesus Christ, the Messiah, the King, God incarnate, would you include uh, people in your genealogy like this with the sinful, immoral backgrounds? I don't think so. But these ones are here in the genealogy of Christ to tell us something very special. And that is that Um, Jesus Christ is not only related to the Jews, but he's also related to Gentiles. And he's not only related to good and upstanding people, but he's related even to sinful people. This genealogy tells us that regardless of our background, if we turn to God and his people and are joined to the proper persons among God's people, we can bring forth proper fruit and participate in the enjoyment of the birthright of Christ. This genealogy tells us that regardless of who we are and what our background is, as long as we have a heart that seeks God and his people, we are in a position to be accepted into the birthright of Christ and to be those who receive the reward in the next age, the reward of the kingdom.
So this is a very hopeful message for us. And, and again, there are dozens of other people in this genealogy. It would take us hours and hours to um, get into all of them. Uh, what I'd like to do now to wrap this up is to go to verse 21 and verse 23 at the end of this chapter. In 21, it says, She will bear a son, and you shall call her name Jesus. So this was told to Joseph by the angel of God. You shall call his name Jesus. But in verse 23, which is a quote from the prophet Isaiah, in the Old Testament, it says, Behold, the virgin shall be with child, and shall bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which is, in, which is translated, God with us. So, <clears throat> although the last part of Matthew 1 seems to deal with the birth of Christ, and of course it does, but actually it deals with the names of Jesus and Emmanuel. Jesus literally means Jehovah our Savior, or Jehovah saves. And this was the name uh, that God told them to call this child. Okay, but Emmanuel is the name called by people who have had a certain amount of experience. Whenever you have some experience of Jesus, Jehovah our Savior, you will be able to say that he is God with you. Jesus is nothing less than God with us, Emmanuel. This is our experience. God told us that his name is Jesus, but as we receive him and experience him in our daily life, we say that Jesus is God with us. And, you know, I'll just leave you with this final thought and that is that throughout the Bible, uh, we are instructed by the Word of God to call upon the name of the Lord Jesus. <clears throat> in in first uh, in Second Timothy two twenty two, it says, "Pursue with those who call on the Lord out of a pure heart." We should be a people who are calling upon the name of the Lord Jesus throughout our daily life. And the, as we call on him, guess what? We get him. We get his person. We get his presence. He comes. He comes as our supply. He comes as our light. He comes as our wisdom. He comes to intervene for us. Um, he comes as Emmanuel, God with us. We experience him as God with us, as Emmanuel. Well, I'll just leave you with that thought. Uh, we'll end here. Tomorrow we'll pick up with chapter 2, and I hope you'll stick with us on this journey through the New Testament. And like I say, by this time next year, we will have finished the entire New Testament. Have a great day. Bye-bye.